I'm a hot rod man. Yeah, I'm a hot rod man. Look out, little mama. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer. And as I always tell you, that is Tex Rubinowitz, the hot rod man from Ripsaw Records. And hopefully, God willing, that Tex is doing well. I have to reach out to him and see how he is doing. And uh, also the folks, the good folks from Ripswell Records that were so gracious to allow me to use that what I think is a wonderful song. And also I just want to remind you so I don't forget, not that I would forget, but I would get off on the sidetrack, is that go over and check out. I would be very grateful if you did check out wwwduck design d-e-s-i-g-n dot com and look at his artwork there and and uh, check it out and even if you don't buy anything send send them an email and tell them that you checked it out and looked at it because uh he does a lot of business doc but he takes every relationship every purchase every cons- every every sale right to heart and uh his business is a lot like like a lot of other businesses where you deal with customers and or what i'll say I'll, I'll put myself in the same league you have a radio show you have a podcast and you don't uh, know whether and you know you never you for most for most intents and purposes you never hear from the people all right so it's like anything in life i mean the scriptures tell us that we need to support and encourage one another not not pump up and blow false false smoke up for people's you know what six will say like in the military but we need to encourage one another and uh anybody who creates anything if you have a restaurant you have a pizza place and somebody says boy you really enjoyed that pizza or that pizza looks beautiful but i can't eat it because i have celiac disease that you take you 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 appreciate that and honor that so um, go over to duck design give him a shout out and say hello and give him your your honest assessment he wants your honest assessment of his artwork and what he does over there so duck design d-u-c-k hyphen design d-e-s-i-g-n dot com and i want to i would be remiss if i did not wish you all a blessed blessed thanksgiving this show in theory will drop on the wednesday before thanksgiving and and through the wonders of a podcast right is that you may not listen to it for two months after that and so you say thanksgiving it's getting ready they're getting ready to uh to plant here it's hot so uh or three months after this whatever but i i know in my heart it's so important that every day should be thanksgiving but i sincerely want to tell you all in the audience and no matter where you are listening from around the world i want to wish you because we have thanksgiving in the united states and that canada has thank a thanksgiving day but i think there's maybe in october i may be wrong i used to know it but i don't uh remember it recall it at the moment but any place that you live in the world you have to be grateful and give thanks to our lord for everything that you have if you even what little that you have god forbid i'm I'm, let me back that up i'm not saying god forbid but regardless of what you have or don't have that you have to be thankful because we all have the blessing of time talent 
and treasures. And we all have them to a different, to different varying extents. Some people live to 100. Some people sadly die when they're 25 or 30. Some people are worth $100 million. Another person's only worth $100 or even that, maybe not even that. All right, and so... Um, and uh, we all have some sort of talent, whatever that talent may be. And it's what we do with the time, talent, and treasures that the good Lord has given us will establish what the character of that person and the gratefulness of their heart. And, and you know, when you go through life and you see, I'll tell you a little, well, it's a little, it is a little story. There was a very wealthy neighbor here. Uh, he owned a lot, he owned a nice a large piece of land and uh, a 14,000-square-foot house on it. And uh, he also had a number of other homes. And in, uh, and he lived mainly in Upper Saddle River, New Jersey, which is where President Nixon retired to. So it's a well-to-do neighborhood. And they're real down-to-earth people. I mean, we're not, we're not you know, chummy-chummy, uh, but they're down-to-earth people you would never know that they were so wealthy. Uh, they don't drive anything special. They don't act special. My kind of people. But anyway, uh, so sadly, what had happened a few years back, they were having their, the, the person that they used to plow their driveway at their, not the house here in Warren County in, near, in Upper Saddle River, was plowing the driveway with a dump truck. I'm sure it was probably a mason dump. And the gentleman the owner's son was outside with a shovel cleaning up around the edges. All right, so the owner of the house, not the dump truck owner, and uh, cleaning up. So that shows you the character of those people. They're very, very wealthy, and the son is out there shoveling, you know, cleaning up the snow with a hand shovel, right? Well, I don't know if the, I don't know what had happened, but the end result is that the dump truck sadly backed over the young man and killed him. So what a horrific, horrific story. The world is full of horrific stories, but what a horrific story. And if someone was just to look at these, I won't mention these people's names, not that they're a household name, but uh, but if you, uh, as a lay, as a stranger, you look at them, so, oh my God, you know, they got no pro nothing in the world. Look at all the money they have and, and look, at, look at what they have and their level of success as they bury their son. And this was, like I said, it was a few years ago. And then ultimately the family did sell that house and move away. I guess they could not bear to live in that house, looking out, looking at the driveway, knowing that their precious child got run over there. I mean, it, it was a young man, maybe in his early 20s, so it wasn't a little kid. But God knows what happens. And we all know on the farm and working with machinery, it's so easy for you to get killed so easy oh my god it's it's easier for you to get hurt or killed lots of times working on the farm with machinery than it is to have things happen correctly so uh we need to be grateful for what we have we need to be grateful for the time talents and treasures that the good lord has given us and i need to be grateful and thankful for each and every one of you that 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 listens to me and brings me into your home because home or your car or your farm truck or your tractor or wherever or your shop wherever you may be you're listening because really you're inviting me in there to listen to me and that is such a blessing and i want to thank you for it and please know that not only on thanksgiving but every day i am grateful 
for all of you, and I mean that sincerely. But due to the fact that this is the beginning of the holiday season, uh, Christmas and New Year's and Hanukkah, so it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful time of year. It's also a sad time of year for, for people that have had suffered a great uh, loss of a loved one, and I call it the firsts, and that's what I've called it. Uh, the first it's the the first the first birthday that's missed the first easter that's missed the first christmas that's missed the first vacation it's missed and anybody who has lost someone or something that they love knows how hard the firsts are that's a term that i that i use and and ultimately it gets easier after the firsts so after the first christmas the first new year's whatever you 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 celebrated and whatever memories you have all right, it always comes up where it's the firsts. And uh, and sadly, well, not sadly, it is good that once you get through the firsts that the healing process seems to go a little a little bit better or it takes a little bit more root. And then when you know, when you could look, look back at something and have a giggle or a laugh or a smile about uh, a smile about the one that you lost, then... Uh, you know that you are on the road for healing, but life will never be the same. And oftentimes people people try to make life the same. That's what I told this neighbor. I said, I won't, like I said, I won't use his name. I was just about to use it, but uh, it's never going to be the same, nor should it be the same. So that is that. And uh, let me see elsewhere. So uh, nothing much going on here. Still trying to um, get, get, get out of the mud i don't mean the, uh, the metaphoric mud not that it's muddy in the fields uh still trying to get get on track and it always seems to be some sort of uh uh squeaky wheel then again metaphorically that needs to take my attention away from what i had planned to do that day but we have we are moving forward i'm moving forward with god willing getting the seminars and the workshops together never as fast never as fast as I would want to, but moving forward and moving forward with some things here on the farm. So um, I guess it's all, and that's, I shouldn't say I guess, that's not too uh, too Christian-like. It's all good, right? <clears throat> it's all good. And uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to my next series of guests for my On the Road podcast. I'm going to be doing one with, with Joel Rand from Iowa. And then eventually one with Nathan Rand, his brother uh, from Iowa, who is uh, a veterinarian. I won't run those back to back because I think you'll be all um, too much Rand family. I mean, two different men, two different lives, but they do have a they do share and farm together. So that's the common denominator. But they took different walks in life off the farm, and then. Uh, there's a gentleman that I want to, uh, his, his name slips my mind right now, which is could be considered disrespectful, but it's not. Uh, and he, uh, oh, Scott, Scott is his name. Uh, uh, geez, I remember his first name. It's kind of hard because you meet these, I'm, I'm, it sounds like I'm making excuses for myself. I'm not. It's, you, meet these, you meet these people and you meet so many people that uh, you know who they are. But anyway, this gentleman is a he been a UPS pilot. He flies a seven fifty seven, but he's also a drag racer, and he bought a used a top fuel car, 
and he is running top fuel now. And so he's flying both on the ground and in the air, flying in a, piloting a 757 and piloting a, on the ground, a top fuel, 13,000 horsepower, nitro burning dragster. So that's going to be, and I have a couple of other people. I uh, hope to get Mr. John Nye from out in Utah, if he still wants to do a show with me. And we have a couple of others that are lined up that are passionate about either farming or firing orders or both. So I'm looking forward to that and uh, trying to get those under my belt and get them out into the audience. But if it's all right with you, I'm going to have a little bit, I always say this, right? The same, say, you say it every week, Hot Rod, a little bit different type of show because I try to make each show different. I may not be successful at it, but I do have uh, some CATS here as normal but they all seem to be sleeping. Well, I shouldn't say all the few that are in seem to be sleeping right now. So we will see. Maybe we will get through this. Then hopefully, God willing, this week, they're going to start to fix my house after the tree fell down on July 3rd or July 2nd, fell through the roof. They did emergency repair. So, I mean, it's not we have a hole in the roof, but I want to get that done. Um, the roof needs to be the back they call it elevation the back half of the roof needs to be completely ripped off and redone and that roof is only maybe three years old and hopefully one of the rafters is not cracked at this particular point we don't know it knocked some of the siding off the back of the house broke some shutters and also broke the railing and the flooring in the deck so it's funny how uh, in this modern world with all this software and, and texting and computers and all this malarkey, because that's really what it is to me, malarkey, right? That, you know, they say Rome wasn't built in a day. I think based upon working with people today, it would have taken 100 million years to build Rome, right? Because uh, everything just moves so, so slowly. Oh, my God. It's like... Uh, it's like you, you, you're you uh, making fine wine or cheese and it has to age. I guess everything has to sit on everybody's desk as a gestation period. You know, you look back years ago what this country accomplished during World War II, during, you know, during the pioneer days and <clears throat> what have you, and today to get, forget about it. I'm not going to get on that high horse, but it's amazing. I, I mean, from you know from my thought process my contention america could never be built today anymore forget it not only do the people it's just, you couldn't do it impossible impossible because it takes so long to accomplish absolutely nothing absolutely nothing and uh terrible terrible but so so now that the weather is turning cold we're going to rip my house apart but I have no choice because it's only a temporary repair in the roof. I'm not concerned with the siding and the deck. I, I mean, obviously, I want it fixed. But if we get a you know wet, heavy snow, I don't know how how sturdy that roof is. If it's got a it's got a rafter and then broken and cracked underneath it or not from the tree going through it. So who knows? We shall see. But that is hopefully going to start probably just about a day or two before this podcast drops so i'm doing this on the saturday before thanksgiving so hopefully on monday or so that the that the that the house repairs will start to take place which is going to bring its own set of issues as it always is right we all know that 
you know, and uh, if I were not a country boy living in an apartment. <laughs> so so that's it. Don't have to worry about anything. Landlord, roof leaking. Landlord, tree fell down. That's all, right? There's definitely, my friend always used to say, your possessions own you. And it's true. You don't own them. Your possessions own you. But as I started to say five minutes ago or something, <clears throat> Due to the holiday season, maybe we'll take a little bit of a more casual, untechnical approach to uh, the show today, and God willing, you enjoy it and don't find it to be a waste of time. But since I have the microphone, that doesn't make me anything different than you, but you need to reach out to me, and by you reaching out to me and emailing me or us talking on the telephone or what have you, then that is your mic. that is your microphone excuse me but you know what i was going to discuss today is i i guess it's eclectic but i i'm I'm thinking well i'm thinking i'm hoping to discuss my favorite my favorite cause over the years that i've had well my family had and uh, probably put it together with my family because I didn't have that many cars. And then I would love for you guys to reach out to me and share with me. And it could be a truck, it could be a farm tractor, it could be whatever. I'm going to discuss all that also. It doesn't have to be a car, it could be a motorcycle. But I'm going to tell you about some of the vehicles I had and what a young Butch, because that's my nickname, Butch, because my dad's name was Ray, what the thought process of a young man had as he went out into the world and saw the wonders of America and the wonders of, of machinery and also the wonders of God's creation. Because even though man builds cars and engines and tractors, all of the physics and science that allows them to run came from the Lord. A lot of people don't look at it that way. I mean, I could look at, I mean, I'm not tooting my horn, but I could hear a top fuel dragster running and I could see the Lord in that because that combustion, everything that's happening in that engine, man did not create. Yeah, he created the cylinder head, but whatever. But what about the, the aluminum and the iron ore and whatever? So whatever, but you could see God in everything if you choose to look for it. And you don't have to look, you don't have to look too deeply, all right, but you just have to have eyes that see that. But I've said this before on the show, is that um, I always loved machinery, I loved engines, I loved anything, mechanical cars, trucks, anything, anything. but I was really considering myself a car guy, and then a farm tractor, even though I love farm tractors, but uh, it was easier to get exposed to a diff- uh, many different cars because, like, we had an Oliver Row Crop 70 on our farm when I was born. Hard part tricycle, three wheel. Or I think it was a three gear. Somebody told us that there was a four gear one, but it had a Continental inline six cylinder engine, which I remember, I, I remember, an American Bosch. It's right, an American Bosch Magneto. So I was uh, I was conflicted by that. You can think I'm a wacko after this podcast if you don't think already. I was conflicted by that as a little kid because I'm so patriotic and I knew that Bosch was German and I said, well, American Bosch. So uh, I, I would fixate on the American, not the Bosch. So I had a 
American Bosch Magneto, and I think it had a Marvel Schreiber, 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 I forget how they pronounce it, carburetor, updraft carburetor, six-cylinder Continental engine, had a crank in the front, and a electric six volt electric start which never seemed to work too well so as a kid little kid i got very very good at uh couldn't crank it but we used to park it on a hill over here in the orchard and i got very good <laughs> with popping the clutch as a six or seven year old kid and just as soon as i could hit sit i had to sit on the edge of the seat and that my father was always the, the one that had me do do everything, <clears throat> and he stood there like a foreman on a job. But uh, I shouldn't say that because um, I guess he did to a, to a certain extent, but he wanted to give, uh, give me those experiences. And if he did it, then how would I get the experiences, right? But I remember I uh, was probably in maybe second or third grade and i could pop start that olive oh man i just knew i already had learned intuitively you know, what gear i had to pop start and how long i had to let it roll down the hill depending upon the weather then pull that choke out and had a notch throttle it was, it was good so anyway but the point that i'm the point that i'm getting at is that you know you especially in a rural area you were exposed to the farm equipment that you had you may see what a neighbor had and uh or, or you go to town or go someplace else or a relative or something and see what they had but whereas you know you had more exposure with cars because even if you lived in a relatively remote area which believe it or not many years ago when i was a young boy uh this, you know, obviously this area where I live, where we have the farm, did not move <laughs> geographically. It's, so it's about 60 miles from New York City from the, using the George Washington Bridge that crosses the Hudson River and separates New York and New Jersey. About 60 miles from there, but it was wonderful. Oh, my God. I mean, it was so wonderful. It was dirt roads. We had a dirt road. Cat Swamp Road was a dirt road. I mean, there were more cows than people in Warren County. It was, it was, you you might as well, have, you could have been in, you know, other than the scenery being different, you could have been in Iowa or Nebraska or South Dakota or what have you. Maybe not quite that remote, but you would never, ever know that you were only 60 miles from New York City. And it was wonderful. It was like a little utopia, a little a little hamlet. And the world was a different place back then. There was no such thing as a commuter, right? You commuted to town. You either worked in a farm or you worked in a factory in town or something. All right, so the thing is that, um, but it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And I was so blessed and thankful because it is Thanksgiving that I was exposed to that and was able to see it. But regardless you know, you'd go into town, you'd go someplace, and you would see all different vehicles. So you had more chances to be exposed, even as a farm kid, to different vehicles. And since I loved them all, it made no difference, right? Uh, so you could see, whereas we only, hey, we had Oliver Row Crop 70. I know a neighbor down the road had a John, it was a John Deere person. So if we went to their farm, then I looked, was able to look and study his John Deere. All right, and see what that was all about. But you could go to the to the supermarket. I used to go with my mother to the supermarket, and uh, used to love to uh, look at the cars in the parking lot and uh, and look at the tailpipes, right? Because my father had taught me because back then it was carburetors and leaded gasoline that when an engine is tuned properly, the inside of the tailpipe is white. 
So, uh, so look for white tailpipes, and uh, I have I have memories. I remember I saw this one AMC Hornet. Oh my God! I'm never, I mean, this is I won't even tell you how many years ago it was. Well, the Hornet came out in I think in seventy or seventy one, so it couldn't be too many years ago, right? But this tailpipe was so white. Oh, inside, it was it. If you took white paint and put in there and i remember this and i remember years ago years a few well a few, a few years after that my family and i were out in west coast we drove cross country in my 68 dodge job my mother my father and i and uh and i remember we we were up in california we uh and i saw a 65 mustang and that it was uh 260 we had a two well the badge and the fender said i'm sure it had a 260 in it. and that was just as white as this amc hornet and uh i used to look at the white tailpipes and uh, everything and then remember those of you that are older will remember well hopefully the white tailpipes but you will remember that in the summertime and and you, you'd shut off somebody would go come from a ride and they'd shut off the car and you hear the engine you hear the, the engine cooling down stuff would be ticking and clicking you hear you'd hear the exhaust manifold cooling off and that ticking sound well you don't hear that anymore right because i even opened my hood and the hood was closed back then and you'd be able to hear because all that cast iron you hear it ticking and the uh, you know the and uh, then also uh you'd be able to uh the the engines had a, i'm not gonna say a, i'll say a scent not a not a smell a scent to them when they were hot right because you'd have the leaded fuel evaporating off in the carburetor right <laughs> just today you might as well be charles manson if you had that right you'd probably be better off being charles manson or osama bin laden than having the fuel vapors go in the air and uh you'd have and then maybe there'd be a slight tinge of oil and then the, the rubber would gas underneath it was just fantastic i mean there was nothing wrong there was nothing leaking but I remember maybe about 25, 30 years ago, which I'd never seen this movie. There was a movie called The Scent of a Woman, right? And uh, and the thing is that it used to be the scent of a car back then. And it was, it was, fanta- it was fantastic. But anyway, to get back on some semblance of a track here, <laughs> is that, uh, as I said, we, you know, so I was exposed to a lot of, like anybody was you it was very easy to be exposed to a lot of different vehicles other than what is just on your farm or your household and uh i loved them all i mean i never i i i didn't have a favorite i loved them all as long as it was american made even for a short time i loved the vw beetle and i had a beetle 69 beetle semi-automatic a kid in the tricycle could accelerate faster than that thing but anyway but i loved them all and uh there was a sense of wonder about them and there was there was, there was a, it was a sense of making a young man want to aspire to something so you saw a new cadillac or you saw an ss396 chevelle i remember my first 68 roadrunner i saw I remember my first 442 Oldsmobile I saw. I it was I think it was not I think it was a 68. I mean no no I'd seen a 67, but I remember the 68 is more glaring in my head, and uh, for some particular reason because of a different body style, and I remember the first hood-mounted Pontiac Tack I saw, and it was not on a GTO. 
It was on a 67 2 plus 2. Well, it had a 428 in it, I believe. It was a 2 plus 2, which was a full size Catalina body, two door, 2 plus 2. And uh, so it was, it was It was great. You saw all of this stuff. But, and it gave you, as a young person, the inspiration. It inspired you to do, and, and to, 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 it inspired you to aspire to something, right? Because, man, I want to get a car like that. I want to see this. I remember seeing my first Cadillac Fleetwood Brougham with that tough thing on the seats. Oh, my God. And it had, if you remember the Brougham, the Fleetwood Brougham, I think it may have been slightly longer, but they had a footrest, a carpeted footrest that came out of the front seats at Ben's seat for the back passengers. And it would, it would, it would kind of like roll, I mean, roll down. It was on a hinge and you'd be able to put that down. I remember looking in the window. I was always looking in the windows of people's cars and trucks. And back then here in Hackettstown, every, for most, for all intents and purposes, every, every pickup truck, or 99% of them had a rifle rack in the back window and there was usually a rifle or two in there all right wonderful I mean, it was wonderful and then you look into it you i mean i never touched anything never 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 stuck my head in anything and you look through the window and the and you see i remember it was a 67 chevy short bed c10 short bed with a 292 in it and three on the tree and it had it was it was it was in, fairly new at the time, all right. It was uh, and it had a uh, two, I believe. Don't hold me to it. I may be wrong. Two beautiful Remington rifles in the back window in the rifle rack. And I mean, I love those guns. I said, "Oh my God, those guns are so beautiful." I've, maybe they were. I for some reason I think that they were Remingtons. I don't know why. Uh, but they were they were look they were brand new in it and and it was a working it was a farm truck it was a working truck it wasn't a fancy schmancy truck but there was something just about that truck that just really really stood out in my mind and, and I remember a, uh, a a beautiful 1972 chocolate brown with a tan vinyl roof Oldsmobile 442. Oh, God, I fell in love with that car. That's like I said, when we used to go to town, my mother would go shopping. I would go, we had an A&P, and we had a ShopRite. That was the two stores we had, and uh, we'd go to both of them. I liked the A&P better because they had a, the parking lot was different. There was a farm behind it. The ShopRite was more like in Hackettstown, which, which wasn't, which wasn't, was rural there anyway. I mean, the, the parking lot was gravel. But the A&P had a great magazine selection. So between going out into the parking lot and then going to the magazines and then looking at the people's cars and pickup trucks and what have you. And, you know, back then you could do that. I'd say my mother would know where I was. Okay, she said to me, okay, Butchie, just stay over here. I said, okay, Mom, I'm going to look at the magazines. I'm going to go in the parking lot. The world was so full of wonder. But uh, I keep repeating that because it was. And uh, I remember it. But anyway to get back on target for the third time we grew up poor i make no bones about it i mean uh, we weren't uh, you know on home relief those used to call it years ago all right and that uh, welfare i'm out there say those people are on home relief <laughs> and then uh i guess today it's uh, derogatory to say home relief 
but uh, I mean that was not the case but we always had used cars used stuff used farm equipment what have you and if anybody happened to listen to the radio show on Sirius the other day about diesel horsepower versus gasoline horsepower for some reason I my father I was a little kid went with my father in our Oldsmobile and we went to go look at a new tractor new John Deere tractor I have no idea what the heck got into him because he would never have bought that in a million years but I just thought it was fantastic but anyway if you get a chance that show it's on the it's on the website as a podcast if you didn't hear it on Sirius XM but we always had we had used stuff so it was so exciting to see new stuff and to and to go to, and my father used to take me to the car dealers and then uh we would you know, like in september when the new models would come out and they'd have them covered in the show so much there was so much intrigue and mystery but even though we bought used stuff i used to love to get the owner's manual out and most of the cars we bought still had the owner's manual the owner never read it the previous owner owner's manual out and then sit at the kitchen table and read the owner's manual and then i used to say i love them all right and that's what i'm working my way up to as a segue is because what i would be i in my life i was a chrysler man mopar to an aficionado right a mopar man i was an oldsmobile man all right and uh i was a ford man and what would make me be a man being a kid right what would make me be that type of brand loyal loyalist even though i love the others is that whatever we bought used so when we bought an Oldsmobile, all of a sudden Oldsmobiles became so intriguing to me, and, uh, and just loved Oldsmobiles. Oldsmobile, when we bought a, a Chrysler, when we bought a Pontiac, and like I said, because we bought used cars, then we uh, we had a lot of exposure. I mean, then when you when most of the time when you buy stuff used, you buy what is in good shape at a decent price that you can afford you're not truly a brand loyalist and that holds true today and that's why the auto industry even the agricultural the farm track the farm equipment they really don't care about the second and third owner specifically once you get past the second owner they don't care about you at all they won't admit that but they could give a damn less all right they wouldn't take a leak on you if you're on fire because they know that you will if you bought a john Deere this time you're buying a kubota the next time and if you bought a kubota and it was good you're gonna buy a new holland the next time you need something there is no brand loyalty for most for all intents and purposes so I wore many different brand hats. Like I said, even though I loved them all, but there was something special I remember. And uh, we had a 1960 Chrysler Windsor, two-door Windsor. Had a Golden Lion 383 in it. It was a beautiful car, black with red upholstery. It was a hard top. So it had, when you put the windows down, it was all open. And it had, uh, I mean, it was old when we bought it, but it was in pretty good shape uh and it uh it was a it said on the valve covers golden lion 383 i was disappointed that it was a two barrel and not a four barrel and single exhaust but it push button automatic had uh vacuum operated power windows that's what they had back then vacuum operated power door locks it had if you know what a 60 christ looks like it had fins in the back and it had power antenna uh for the am radio 
and it had a button on the floor, like the high beam button, but I think it was between the brake and the gas. I wasn't where the high beam button was, and it had this, uh, I think they called it Wonder Bar Radio, maybe the Ozenbuehl called it that, that we had, that you press this button on the floor, and it would move, it had a little motor in the radio, and it would move, you could, and it would, it would scroll through the station, so you could, uh, instead of, I think they have it, like they call it Scan Now, so instead of you turning the knob to try to tune in the station, I don't. I was a little, and I know it worked, but I don't remember how you could turn it. Uh, it was only one button, so I don't know whether how you could turn it both ways. Maybe it only went one way. Who knows? But I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. So I was a diehard Mopar guy. Oh my God, we got that Chrysler, and uh, I was a diehard Mopar guy, and I dreamt as a young boy, right, to have a Chrysler 300 letter car. And if you're a car guy, you know what I'm talking about. There was the Chrysler 300s, which was just a, a model in the full-size Chrysler, top of the line. And then they had the letter cars. So that would be akin to like when I bought my Lincoln new in 91, my Lincoln LSC. So it was a Mark 7 LSC. So that was the letter cars with the high-performance versions. And why they called them letter cars is that each model year they come up with a different letter. So it was a 300H or a 300J or whatever. And then eventually the Chrysler, the Chrysler you know, th- that's what Chrysler should have done. They did a lot of things as far as marketing in the, in the past 20 years, I think, is correct or correct to a person like me. But the thing is that instead of calling it like the SRT or something, they should have called the 300 a letter car. Maybe they did have a 300 letter, but it wasn't It wasn't the same. But when you had a, a we never had a letter car, right? But I dreamt of having a, a letter car. And I think the, six, the 1960 300 letter car, I don't remember if that would have been an F or a G or an H. It was chronologically depending upon the year. I'm sure somebody out there, uh will know that like my friend gene or jason because they're big mopar guys and historians which i am not but they actually had a 413 cross ram with two four barrel carburetors and a cross rear manifold i remember seeing one of those someplace i was a year or two old and then uh for some reason i think we were in a gas station and uh yeah the gas station the hess station in hackettstown and hess used to have 101 octane gas it was called hess 101 and i think we were in the gas station and uh my father never bought the 101 but anyway uh we had a 63 we had a, at the time a 63 chevy to 100 station wagon with a uh three on the tree and a 190 i believe it was a 194 six cylinder because they had the 230 and the 194 and then eventually a 230 became a 250 uh and uh, for some maybe the guy was checking the oil or something i remember just there because we always got out of the car still today when we got gas you get out of the car right even though we don't have self-serve here in new jersey get out of the car right and uh, i remember i was a little kid and the, the, uh, the hood was open i seeing that cross rear manifold i had seen pictures of it in magazines but never saw it in person that it was a beautiful beautiful summer day in hackettstown at the hess station he was filling it up at 101 i don't honestly remember what color the car was uh because i think that kind of like i got lost in the in the engine looking at that cross ram manifold and uh, there was uh, just a wonderful wonderful experience but so i was a chrysler guy and then we bought a pontiac k 
Catalina with a 389. And then, and then I became a Pontiac guy. And then we bought an Oldsmobile. I became an Oldsmobile guy. Then we bought an old Ford truck with a 292 in it. And I became a Ford trucker guy. All right. So, so and then I, be, I was an Oliver guy, right? Because that's what we had. We had an Oliver tractor. And uh, that was, like I said, my brand loyalty. I, I, I don't want to say brand loyalty, but because I, I i ventured out of that window of saying that but i did have a certain affinity in my heart for whatever we had and sometimes it was a problem because we had two cars well we usually had two cars because my mother drove a little bit all right so let's say so she had a uh she we her car was a uh, an old dodge and there were quote-unquote family car was an Oldsmobile so then I was like kind of torn between between those worlds but wonderful memories and then as I got older and got approaching the fact that the possibility of me being able to buy something of my own and buy something new the world just opened up and oh then i looked at things through different eyes and i could buy a a new farm tractor and i always had a a love a special place in my heart for ford farm tractors i guess because it was the ford motor company right ford cars ford trucks and you know back then ford built semis right and uh, class eight trucks and big trucks and what have you and uh, i remember my first ford cl 9000 cl 9000 uh going down route 80 with that air ride cab oh my god that thing was gorgeous i just we were i don't know we weren't going far we, we got on route 80 and uh i remember the thing passed us which didn't take much because my father always drove slowly but uh to save gas but anyway the cl i think we were in the Oldsmobile, and uh the cl 9000 i'm looking around this thing came up came up on us and he was i mean he wasn't he wasn't honking honking but he was going maybe 10 miles an hour 12 miles an hour faster and we were the speed limit was 55 so maybe he was doing 65 or 67 or something and uh that thing went by i couldn't oh i, I fell in love that was black silver and red it was gorgeous and just seeing that cab float up and down on route 80 was such a wonderful wonderful memory and then i fell in love with this 1973 uh 340 duster the 340 duster came out in 70 on when the duster came out but for some reason i really loved that 73 body style and i wanted a, and they used to have mag, ads in the magazines i think it was 28.99 dollars, brand new and it showed a 340 duster it was usually in a back cover ad like on motor trend or car and driver or something usually it was more motor trend and uh and uh it was it, it was like what they what i subsequently learned from the magazine which is called a three-quarter shot and it was a red one and i wanted the red one with the white stripes and it was a 340 duster the base 340 duster and they told you what the car had and had a manual trans i it may have even had a three-speed and i may be wrong it probably was a four-speed but it was the base car was 28.99 brand new in 1973 and they would advertise that car and i said oh my god that's you know i wanted that and then uh and then my tastes were so eclectic that uh 
just like my music tastes were eclectic, that you would say that I was a wacko, a schizophrenic, or multiple personalities. Because even though I was not a fan of foreign cars, for some reason, I liked the Datsun 1200 Coupe. Not the Coupe, not the fastback, the sedan, the little two-door sedan. Not the Datsun B210, which I thought was ugly, all right? And I later on had a Datsun 210, which was a second iteration of it. But I always, but like the 71 through 73 Datsun 1200. Then I remember somewhere we went and there was a Datsun dealer. And I was, you know, it was, it was great back then. Even as a little kid, you're coming in, they gave you a brochure. And I remember getting the Datsun brochure. Then I looked at that 1200, had white wall tires, had a 1.4 liter engine, but they didn't call it 1.4. I think it was probably about 70 cubic inches. And for some reason, I always liked that car. Uh, I liked the Mazda, even though I was not a foreign car guy, I wouldn't, wouldn't buy it, but I liked it. Mazda RX rx4 not rx not rx3 because they had the r100 i believe is the first mazda rx4 which was a big one ranch wagon and they had a they had a station wagon a rotary powered station wagon and it had wood grain siding on it, like an american you know phony wood grain siding like an american car would have american station wagon could have and it had but it had these really wide cool wheels on it and it was the had the rotary engine the mazda hmm it's the commercials to go on tv the mazda hum right and uh i like that ranch wagon uh let me see what else did i like uh believe it or not i was in high school and somebody i saw on the, on the road someplace a seven nineteen seventy seven 1977 buick regal two-door triple white and it was a uh i think it was it was six seventy six or 77 basically it was the same body style but this must have been a 70 77 it was brand new because it was a fall of 76 and it was triple white had the buick mag wheels on it with the white wall tires i thought that was such a gorgeous car unbelievable and then i loved the chrysler cordoba when it came out and those ads with ricardo montabom on tv with corinthian leather to this day i still don't know what corinthian leather is but i wanted it baby and i was willing to work for it and i wanted it and uh and let me see what else than the uh a friend of the family bought a night bought new in 1975 chrysler new yorker st regis which a lot of people didn't know it was one they had a new yorker and they had a new yorker st regis and it was one click below imperial they actually should have bought an imperial because the 75 imperial i loved 74 75 that body style but it was a new yorker st regis it was a 440 a 727 automatic obviously and a, a carter thermal quad then the thermal quad had the plastic uh, main body on it so it had a, well it wasn't plastic it was phenolic what people call it plastic and it was a 75 new yorker and uh that was a, a beautiful beautiful car and they kept it for uh till 1982 i think and they bought a drop dead gorgeous chocolate brown with light tan like a fawn colored leather upholstery two-door crown victoria it was loaded had a moon roof in it had they had they called i think turbine wheels back then that was some gorgeous car it was a probably a 302 maybe it was a 351 
trying to remember, but it had a variable Venturi carburetor on. First time I had seen a variable Venturi carburetor, and then subsequently, years later, I went to school for that. was an excellent carburetor. People did not understand it. They did not know how it worked, but if you had that set up properly, you had to actually, there were special fixtures. You had to set that up with a dial indicator, and I went to school for that, and I bought the tools to set up a variable Venturi, and uh, if you looked at the key, that thing would start boom i mean there was there was an excellent 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 carburetor it was much maligned because people did not understand that it was so different than any other carburetor on on the market in any way shape or form uh i remember also i'm just i guess for thanksgiving i'm just running going all over the place uh i remember we were going out west and in our osmobile and we, we were probably in indiana and uh i was a little kid in the back seat leaning forward and uh and my father had taught that you know the, the, you stay to the right and then you know if you're going to pass somebody you, you you go to the left lane and then you pass them and you come back into the right like on an interstate and i remember i'm 99 percent sure it was across going across indiana and then uh on route 80 west so it's a uh, Indiana Turnpike 8090, the Indiana Turnpike and Route 80. So, uh, and I don't remember there was a, a red, red, maybe that's when I fell in love with the 442. It was a red, but that was a 68, 60, it was a 68 442. And he came up on the left lane, he was honking, and he was, he came up on a car, not us. He came up on a car that should have not have been in the left lane. So let's say this. I think the speed limit was 70 back then, or 75 across Indiana. So let's say the person, so we were, my father was going the speed limit for a couple of miles an hour underneath it, because that was the thing back then. Always go a couple of miles an hour under so you don't get a ticket. So let's say if the speed limit was 70, maybe my father was doing 65 or 68 in the Oldsmobile with us going out west. And maybe the person in the left lane that should not have been there was going a mile an hour too fast than my father. So maybe they were going 65. My father was going 63, 64. So they were a little bit ahead of us, but in view. And this guy came up on uh, with this 442, and he came up on this slowpoke car in front of him. And he didn't he didn't tailgate him. It's funny how stuff stays in your mind, right? And he didn't tell, and little, I mean, nobody in the world would have, at that particular point, remembered that incident. All right, but here it is. I'm, I'm, it was like watching a slow motion movie in front of me and seeing this all play out. In the, and he wasn't tailgating him, but he was behind him. He wasn't trying to push him. But if the person looked in the rearview mirror, they knew that this guy wanted to pass him. And he had plenty of opportunity to go around them like people would go today, right? The guy's in the left lane, go in the right lane and pass him and go back in the left lane. And he did not do that. And my father said, you see, he's a proper driver. He's a, He knows the rules of the road. You don't pass on the right. He's hanging back just enough not to be, not to be uh, a danger, but enough, close enough where that guy knows that there's a car behind him, but not on his bumper, a safe distance. And he must have followed this other car for six or seven miles, if not longer. And then eventually the person in the slowpoke car, that I don't recall what it was, moved over to the right lane. And I remember this guy whacked that 442. 
and a puff of smoke came, black smoke came out of the back, just a second, because as that quadrajet opened up those secondary metering, that secondary air valve and lifted those metering rods, so the mixture would go slightly, well, any carpet like that would go slightly rich for a second, but not bad. There's a little, you could see that he whacked it. There's a little bit of, a little bit of smoke. It was grayish smoke, all right? Probably a little bit of carbon in the pipe. The way he drove, I thought it was any carbon. And the, the mixture going rich, right? And that 442 took off. And wow, I remember I said, wow, because they used to, my father said, I think that Oldsmobile, they take off like rockets because there was a, they called them rocket V8s, right? And we had an Oldsmobile. So it didn't take much for me to really, really get excited about that. And I won't tell you how many years ago that was. And I remember that I'm sure I added some poetic license in my mind to the dynamics of it. But to a little kid, that was so wonder that was so wonderful. And then I remember it was we were coming back to some place that we were at a stoplight. It was nighttime in the summertime. It was dark. I mean, maybe for me it was late, maybe 10, 11 o'clock at night, because we went to bed early. And we were at a stoplight and a 68 Roadrunner, brand new, just in 1968, 68 Roadrunner pulled up next to us at the stoplight. And he must have put a cam in it because and it sounded like he had a cam through exhaust manifolds. Didn't have headers on it from my young kid's mind and cam through exhaust manifolds and uh, I remember and that light turned green and that roadrunner took off and boy, I was a roadrunner guy after that. Oh my God, I loved that with the beep beep, the beep beep horn and the roadrunner running on the, the decal on the door with the emblem and smoking the and sm his his feet was smoking and the pop out the pop out rear windows fantastic, but I had wonderful wonderful memories and I thank you for letting me share them with you on this podcast today and as we get ready for Thanksgiving and you know my segue into this is that what you know what a wonderful blessing it is in life to have memories and uh as i always use my friend bob Ida's line that there's two banks in the world in, in life there's one you put money in and there's one you put memories in and the one that you put memories in is worth so much more than the one that you put money in even though the memories that i've been talking about today were part of who i am <clears throat> and who i still am talking about cars and machinery and farm tractors and uh and what have you but i have i please don't think that i was or am that shallow that those are the only memories i have i remember uh seeing the grand canyon uh, we went out in that old that Oldsmobile and seeing the Grand Canyon. I remember seeing the first my first snow capped mountain. I remember seeing the, the the Great Plains and seeing Mount Rushmore. I remember seeing my first belted Callaway. I think it's Callaway, not Callaway. Callaway cow with a stripe on. I called it a racing stripe. I said, "Wow, Mom, look at it. The cow's got a racing stripe on it," and uh, and seeing the mother with a baby belted Callaway and. Uh, hope i'm saying i know it's belted i think it's callaway not cal not galloway calloway but uh i should know that right i remember seeing that i uh i, rem I remember seeing my first alligator we went down to florida and uh i remember uh, going out to the ocean i don't know if it was for the first time but going out to the ocean and then going out to long island and then going out to montauk point which was 
uh, I guess the furthest point east in North America or New York, I guess, man. I thought it was North America, but I never looked on the map. And then my standing there, there was a lighthouse out there. And going up and, and going by the lighthouse and my father standing with my parents and my mother, my father, my sister, and my father saying, looking out, 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 out into the water saying, next stop is England. There's no more land since England. And that was till England. So that was such a, uh, a, a mind-blowing uh experiences oh my god there's no more lands until england that seemed like light years away and i remember we were we went up to uh old rhinebeck new york they used to have a uh an air show up there antique air show and uh went up there and we so like i said so many 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 wonderful memories of uh are wonderful memories uh they're sad memories also like everybody has in life and those sad memories you need those wonderful memories and you need to be so thankful for them and you need to also be you need to i don't want to say be thankful for the sad memories but allow the sad memories to move your heart in the way that they are intended to be to move your heart but i won't talk about sad memories or things you've seen like we've all seen in life all right but uh just wonderful wonderful memories i remember uh seeing uh, my first wheat field because we really didn't have wheat fields here i remember seeing my first auto assembly plant and i spoke about that before and the show was the lordstown assembly plant in ohio in lordstown ohio i mean i mean we were uh, that trip really in that ozenbeel out west really cemented to really made me into the person that i became <laughs> good better and different but you know you're going down the road you don't know there's an auto assembly plant and you see this massive building and uh, probably back then, I think they were building full-size ships. No, uh, maybe they were building Vegas. Vegas, the home of the Vega. And uh, so, like I said, so many wonderful, wonderful things. And uh, I'm sorry this is really not a show of any consequence to you uh, today. But I would love to hear your memories. I would love to hear, uh, you know, even if it's, you know, the, the first belt at Galloway you saw, the first, whatever it was in life. It couldn't, it may, maybe it was a machine. Maybe, maybe it was an animal. Maybe it was something of God's creation. Because that's what this community is all about. That's what Thanksgiving is all about, going back and being. And you can't be, in my the world according to Ray, you can't be thankful for something if you don't reminisce and look backwards at it. If you, if you, you know, if you just go by life and look at, and don't even look at something and register it, right? Register it then, and life is so full of many, so many things that we could be thankful for. So many things. Thank for each breath. Thank you. Thanks for eyesight. I mean, if you go on and on. I mean, we, we take things for granted, but without reminiscing, without reminiscing and and looking backwards in the rear view mirror of life we have to also look through the windshield otherwise we'll crash but oftentimes what was seemed like so inconsequential that moment all right in the scheme of like i said with that i'm using that using that Oldsmobile, for example that was waiting to, to go to pass that slow poke in indiana all right and uh 
it was in, in nobody's that person even who did that's not going to remember it nobody's going to remember i know i know my parents wouldn't have remembered my sisters wouldn't remember it but it's something in that just touched touched my soul and uh i remember we went down to cape canaveral and to uh to see what it the, the, uh, un- unbelievable and uh all, all all different things and to be able to see uh different animals and different crops and I remember seeing my first harvest store silo because we really didn't have we had silos because we were dairy here but in around us in Warren County I didn't know of anybody who had a harvest store I think I saw my first one in Ohio all right and they had American flag on it beautiful blue and said harvest store with an american flag and lots of times the family the farm name would be up there and uh seeing my first steel mill i mean it's fantastic i mean just fantastic and uh so i ask you to you know to think about the different things in your life everybody's life is different everybody has different memories everybody has different things that's that touch their heart then that's wonderful and uh you know everybody's got a story everybody has memories everybody has has a life to lead so i would be so honored if some of you would choose to reach out to me at hot rod farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com and yes i had the blessing i have the blessing of taking an hour of your time which is an hour and 45 minutes now of your time uh to, to tell you about only at, 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 at the, the, uh, the scratching the surface of memories and the thing is that and you have them also and i would love to hear some of your memories i will cherish them and i will honor them and i want to thank you in advance for for choosing to make that choice to share them with me it's a blessing you'll be blessing my life more than you will ever know so listen have a wonderful thanksgiving god knows when you're going to listen to this all right but but you know the um, in closing up in quebec and i believe they still have it on their license plate it says as the saying je me souviens i remember and i think it's so important and i and, uh, the first time i saw that license plate i i had to ask someone was a young man that asked someone what it meant even though i took french in school but i didn't uh but uh and i just loved that license plate uh prior to that i believe the quebec license plate said la belle provence you could tell why my french is so lousy i I don't have a good french accent but you had a beautiful province and quebec certainly is a beautiful province i haven't been there for years a beautiful farm country but uh but je me souviens i think that's what it's really all about is that we need to remember and uh and we need to honor and realize what a blessing blessing those times were and at the t- at the t- at that point they were nothing it was going about your business and what a sad thing it is one of for people who have alzheimer's disease and uh, lots of times that's the only thing they do have to cling to maybe of long-term memory but very very sad so listen have a wonderful thanksgiving once more i want to thank you for for listening and being part of the audience and for putting up with me and i promise you next week will be a proper proper idle chatter so uh you have a blessed day and i will god willing catch you next week